Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Thanks for joining us today. We are really excited to share today's episode with you. But before we get to that, we just got a couple quick things we want to let you know about. Yeah, we're working, as we've been talking about, on this big road trip out to the uh, southwestern United States, where we'll be talking with Father Richard Rohr and uh, heading to the ELCA Youth Gathering yeah, in Houston. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Um, also, uh, maybe you've been following us on Facebook or Twitter, you've been subscribing to the podcast, but we also have another way to engage. We actually just started an Instagram account. We just started an Instagram. We're a little late to the party. (laughs) But just another way uh, you can connect with us. You can find us on Instagram at sandboxpod. Yeah, we hope that you can join us there. And uh, But as for today, we've got another episode. Yeah, so um, we've got another conversation. We shared... Uh, an episode with Samir Selmanovich a few weeks ago. It was episode 62. If you haven't listened to that, or if you like what you hear today, we invite you to, to go check that out. But we had such a good conversation with mm-hmm. him. There was so much good content. We're going to do another episode. Why not? We got we had, so we talked with him for well over an hour and yeah. there's just way too much for one episode. So now you get the bonus. Yeah. So just a little bit of background in case you maybe didn't listen to that previous episode. Um, Samir, he kind of describes himself a little bit as a secular pastor for business leaders. He focuses on the humanization of business. He loves his home country of Croatia, the streets and humans of New York City, and the changing seasons in Central Park, which sits next to his apartment where we caught up with him last year. So with that, welcome to episode 65, another round with Samir Selmanovich. So what kinds of things have you found um, that help within the city to give you some of that that time of space and of, and of reflection, even though everything is moving and bustling around you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, city is actually uh, a sandbox practice for what's going on in the whole world. Mm. It's a, it's a hurricane. And if you don't learn to be hurricane of information, hurricane Mm -hmm. of change, Mm -hmm. hurricane of, continually uh, stories that are falling apart and being rebuilt. Uh, uh, People are barely reeling from a previous shift at their workplace, at at, at what they believe and what's happening around them, and a new thing is happening. Uh, And so learning to live with so much change, uh, uh, city a uh, city is a great place because it allows you to actually practice that. Mm. Um, so when you're in a subway, for example, you can come in a subway and you can, people are coming and going from the subway car and every station is a different world, right? Mm-hmm. Some people leave, some other people come. And subway is a sort of a public sanctuary where people come and allow themselves to be quiet and maybe contemplate and do what they habitually do. I don't have to do anything. And it's also a place where people who, who come there are, are not specific class or specific age. Subway is the greatest mixer uh, mm. because, uh, you know, billionaires are sometimes it's faster to take a subway than a taxi during the rush hour and the homeless. Uh, Democrats and Republicans, everybody is there. Um, there are so few places like that in our society. I never yeah. thought about it like that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They, they are. I mean, they're disappearing. We have been we have been marketed to to the point 
of dividing us into the interest groups mm-hmm. and we are just getting homogeneous groups we kind of a uh, uh, we come into the groups that are so uh, homogeneous so that so that in them you are circulating the same quite not only same answers but the same questions mm. you know but the stranger is the one who hides better question stranger is the one who can see what you cannot see and say what you cannot say mm. that's why strangers are important for survival have been in the bible mm-hmm. it have been throughout human history it is in connection with strangers that people move forward uh, but we are overwhelmed also with so much strangeness because our lives are coming real close so so it's important to go back to your familiar thing and respect that mm. and enjoy it and say i'm so and so and i'm such and such and this is my story not this and not that now from that ground you are safe and you are grounded to move on into a relationship with more people so denying the diversity or just pushing into diversity is actually exhausts everybody yeah. we're not capable as humans to uh, be this extremely diverse people i i got um you you were saying as far as like being on that subway is a a way of uh, of, of sanctuary and and mm-hmm. all these different people who are there and I, I feel like I, I may have interrupted you a little bit in, in your in your train of thought but as you go there and in, in these practices of finding uh, a way to be grounded and, and centered in in the middle of a, a busy city yeah so. I well I'll welcome you interrupting me yeah. please because I go I go on and on uh, I experience this thing as I talk to them and yeah, then yeah. I and I don't stop but I, I really enjoy it if you yeah. interrupt uh, yeah um um i don't know people watching is Mm. another thing you know sometimes it's just great to go on a bench somewhere on a union square and you just and just you look at people and you see that there's so many possible ways to live well Mm. to be different to there's so many things we don't know uh i i become more comfortable with my unknowns because everything I know is anyway small. Uh, so it encourages me to find that people have a completely different way of being in the world and they're just fine. And um, also, also when you watch people, it allows you to, it's a form of, uh, form of worship mm-hmm. as in, as in uh, even secular worship. You know, uh, it's it's just a sense of astonishment that that this is the moment that will never happen again, and this is me, and this is another person, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at them, and they're talking, and I'm here. It's just unbelievable uh, the privilege just to to be that day uh, and that time, and know how thin is the line between us and and non-being, mm-hmm. just so thin. Uh, it just changes everything. I feel uh, that kind of awareness. Uh, and city allows you to uh, keeps pulling you back to that experience. Uh, if you go to the nature, maybe to the mountains, or you know, I was recently in New Mexico, went for to, to the Ghost Ranch for a retreat, and um, we had uh, this 
a long walk to a top of a mountain it's called kitchen table which i wanted to be on top Um, you know, there is a different element. It's element of, uh, uh, if city is an element of like a fire and wind and inspiration all the time and, uh, and, and doing things like a dojo sort of thing, Mm -hmm. things get done. The element there is, uh, horizon and, and water and, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there was a river there. And an air, which is uh, a sense of um, eternity, sense of a peace, a sense of being inspired, and so there's a different part of you that gets connected there. Mm. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I'm looking for neglected parts in myself, and then I go there. Yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah. it's, it sounds like you know, it, depending on where you live and where you you know where you are you need to seek out those other pieces that might be missing so if you're living mm-hmm. in the city it sounds like you you know seeking out opportunities uh to experience the other thing that's missing and at a place like mm-hmm. ghost ranch or yeah. out in a different environment yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's all about attention mm-hmm. you know attention attention is the currency of of everything you can't change much about yourself. Like, you know, your thoughts are happening all the time. There's this internal conversation and you're like, what is going on in my head? And, you know, my mind has mind of its own. Mm-hmm. Things are just happening around you and within you. It's almost like you are without control. The only control you have, have over is where you place your attention. Uh, I can make you put your attention anywhere by just mentioning somebody. Think about your mother right now. Right. Okay. So you mm-hmm. have you have capacity <laughs> to actually change something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so paying attention is the for me the kind of discovered secret of my last ten years. I would say personally, mm-hmm. because the world responds to you in proportion to how much attention you pay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are are not if your eyes are closed and if your ears are closed then the world will be closed the world will respond to you by the trust you have in it by how much attention you gift it with uh, or risk it with and uh, you know I think almost like everybody's beautiful it's just pay attention mm-hmm. and things will show up you know uh, everything is is beautiful. So, um, so what I was saying, what I was thinking is when you said, uh, "Oh, you got to go out of your context." You can train your attention in your context. You know, sometimes and boredom is very important in that process because mm. boredom uh, requires your curiosity. It requires say more about that boredom. Bo- boredom requires your curiosity. It. it it, it puts you in an empty space where, where only your curiosity can save you for boredom. Mm. And, and boredom is place where you become attentive uh, because otherwise you're just going to keep on drifting. So the only way you can move in any direction is your curiosity, right? So, I mean, imagine if, if you become curious about things. Like, let's say you've become cur- much more curious about your daughter. Mm. 
Like that's what helped me. I'm, like, I'm going to start asking questions. I'm not going to start giving give, give giving advice. I'm going to start asking my daughter's questions I don't have an answer for. Instead of constantly asking questions in order to have a conversation and to teach her something, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm going to ask what I do not know. Everything changes, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So, so paying attention to your own space and to your own place yeah. is as important as paying attention to others. People who do not know, let's say, in, a, in this political climate, people who don't know Muslims. You know, the problem with Muslims in the United States, we have the number is too small. So not enough people can have relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they can gather their information from some other places, from news, from wherever they can make, they make things up. They mm -hmm. fill in the movie that is missing, right? Because they don't have relationships. But what I'm thinking is the best way to actually deal with the other is to understand that person next to you is the other. You will never understand them. I don't ever understand myself, let alone other people. <laughs> so the moment you say I know you is the moment you don't. Yeah. It's just that your curiosity is lazy and you are uh, um, um, uh, not willing to live with the unknown there. So uh, although we are local and although we are limited, there is a way in the local and limited to actually be universal. I feel uh, mm. it just needs to be taught and practiced mm -hmm. uh, by people. And yeah. I think great spiritual communities, no matter how isolated they are, somehow they are open to the stranger the moment they meet them. And they are, you can feel at home right there, although they have never met you mm. because they have practiced that among themselves. Uh, and you can have a, a urban so-called uh, how would i say community that's surrounded with pluralism and it's all about relevancy and all about like reaching out and being open and all of that and it's as close as it can be hmm. it is like a bunker and it's an invisible bunker in the city you know and open people who live in a some rural area that have never left the town but they're mm -hmm. just beautiful and grounded and they know they know humans because they you know they have yeah. practiced it so and you know when you walk into that space just inherently just there's there's a different energy in the room when you know you can walk in with people that you've never met before and you feel like you've yeah like you're a long lost friend yeah um and you know the other experience as well yeah um yeah yeah i was walking by a church um this morning, uh, it had a sign out front that said, all are welcome. Uh huh. And I had to wonder if that was true because whenever I see all are welcome, sometimes I wonder, really? <laughs> Who's all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we didn't even assume that they're not. So by right, saying right, it, you are bringing up the issue. Suddenly so, so, <laughs> there's a question. It may not have been there before. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> um, yeah. So how does some of this translate into, into some of the work that you're doing? Um, I don't know about the, when you say work, you know, it can mean all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I think by 2020, 
a majority of Americans uh, will be freelancers and will work on a basis of projects and things mm -hmm. like that. So we are coming back to our foraging roots. Mm. <laughs> and um, so, so work is, hmm. I don't know how I have survived. I have not worked for the man last 20 years. And <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I finished my work with the church about um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Okay. So, in church, you as a pastor, you're self employed. Uh, so that was a working for the man, but I, I handed in my card and I said, you know, I am going to go into the world mm -hmm. <laughs> as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the most courageous thing I've done and came mm -hmm. to New York with the two girls. And where, were, where uh, were you before? I'm sorry. Uh, we were in California. California. That's right. Yeah. And then we came here um, as, you know, no job, nothing for of us. And trying to you know raise money and then work for it that's the problem with nonprofits you know mm -hmm. you have to raise all the money and then you need to work for the same money which is sort of double work because it takes a lot of energy to right. raise it mm -hmm. right. so um, so so right now I am um, I have tried to figure out how to how can you be uh, how can you translate our beautiful pieces of our religious uh, uh, history, practice, uh, uh, our, um, not just concepts we have, but, uh, but, the, but the metaphors and symbols and narratives and things that hold us, and how can you translate that into, uh, into the world outside of the church? How can you do ministry and be ministered to and bring the sense of sacred we have absorbed through religious teachings and live those out in the open space into the world in the world uh, how do you make whole world a sanctuary mm. as muslims would say the, the world is a sanctuary you know mm. um and so that's i think is uh, something that will um not only you know help christianity survive <laughs> uh but will actually make a world a better place mm -hmm. this is a contribution to make and to take a route and say i'm going to leave behind religion i'm going to you know that's almost impossible that's impossible because you have defined yourself in it and you cannot abandon those stories and you cannot abandon the rituals and habits you can change the meaning of them or do something in reaction to them but you cannot ignore them mm -hmm. uh, so you're better off actually embracing and making a contribution with that learning to the open to the public square and to everybody around you so we are like custodians of that story to the world so uh, so what i was thinking like who are today's um, you know, shamans and 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 wise men and women and uh, uh, and the prophets and poets and people. Is there such a profession? You know, mm -hmm. uh, 
And I, I realized that in the world of uh, coaching, like a life coaching, a business coaching, coaching for sports coaching, anybody who is shoulder to shoulder with somebody and being a witness to their transformation is, uh, is it has this priestly role. Because uh, mm. no transformation can happen without witness. Uh, every transformation needs a witness. So we witness each other's uh, change and transformation. And so then I got myself, I went to Georgetown University and finished a coaching program there uh, that was pretty, uh, you know, rigorous for a year. And, What kind of coaching is that? Um, it's called leadership coaching. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I realized that a lot of people who have been in ministry have so many um, uh very very valuable skills uh, that they can bring into the into the world into the workplace into all kinds of sectors and disciplines that we are not aware of because mm -hmm. we have learned to be with people we have learned to be comfortable not uh, we have learned to be present in people's grief and joy and in life events and people are starving for the language and for the presence that uh, a lot of uh, people who who have been leaders in religious environments not just pastors but anybody uh, uh, there is so much on the market there that's needed and mm -hmm. the only thing is that there is no awareness I think on 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 each side how much uh, potential there is mm. um, so so then I uh, started to Uh, so I was active like that and helping entrepreneurs get their uh, feet on the ground like I was an entrepreneur and I have been on my own for a long time and started different nonprofits and and so helping people actually move past the point of uh, leaving something behind and processing it and then jumping into a new chapter of their lives that is in accordance with what they have experienced before. Uh, so now I have been really fascinated with uh, an, um, applied narrative design, which is narrative coaching, which is helping people turn their old story into a new story mm. in their lives, mm. which is not a simple proposition. We just say, oh, you just need to change your story. Well, <laughs> just change your story. Your right. network just is huge yeah. uh, because we are embodying our story. Our mm -hmm. neural pathways are geared to the, to the old story. To change a story is a big deal. But it does happen from moment to moment. Uh, and so we are starting this organization called Moment Institute, and I will be the director of the programs for there. Uh, so we'll do retreats and um, Um, mastermind groups and things like that to and help people for, for people here in, in New York or people nationally no, or nationally or, yeah. yeah we also we have um, like West Coast and East Coast we have like a two of us that are leading this on a one on each coast and then we have a program in Australia and Europe and we are now starting to work with um, Asia Asian group oh, wow. so wow. so that's uh, that's something and what really this brings me to is this um, place where East and West meet. Um, see, uh, if you look at Eastern spirituality, you know, I'm, I'm like feeling like I'm lecturing here. I have to stop talking. <laughs> no. No, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we were just on our way in. We were just talking about this idea of, of East, East, Eastern and Western 
uh, traditions coming together and, uh -huh. and uh, kind uh -huh. of excited to hear hear more about that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so if you look at, let's say, think about all the Eastern contribution to your life, uh, uh, Eastern philosophy, like Zen stuff that you hear, little mm -hmm. stories here and there, um, uh, whole Buddhist concept of emptiness and nothingness and why that's important and how actually biblical that is because at the beginning mm -hmm. it was emptiness and it's just fine mm -hmm. it's just beautiful emptiness mm -hmm. starts everything emptiness is pregnancy you know it's a place where things happen uh, so so that whole eastern religion is uh it's almost like story less the less you have a story, hmm. the better. Because stories are concocted things. We make up stories to survive. Uh, everything is made up in our heads. Everything. So what they're trying to do is come to a place of no story where you're one with everything and you can have a respite from spinning the stories in your head. And uh, the question they ask is what is real? Right? What is real? Five senses are real. My mind is real, feelings and observing, and the world is real, and it's gonna pass, things begin, things end, change is constant, actually nothing changes in some way. <laughs> and so, so that can give you comfort, because you accept that you're passing through, and you let go, and you don't have to live forever, you don't have to have eternal life, it's not a big deal, you come and you graciously give in life and you graciously give it up and somebody else comes and things go on and you pass into the future your molecules and your love and the good deeds you have that's great you know just humble mm -hmm. yourself no need to be eternal right so you go to the west then and west is all about yes but stories are the magic actually store universe is made of stories mm -hmm. molecules and all these things and everything that's kind of swirling around is just the alphabet of the stories we live by and embody and believe in so story is something that moves you relationships with your beloved is a story relationship with your parents is a story with your child with the sky anything any word you say is a story so there is two parts presence on the east and narrative on the west mm. and these are the two two ways your brain works actually neuroscientifically you're either interpreting something and making up a story or you're present and actually receiving the information and being in a full connection with the person and environment around you without imposing a story on it right so how do you use those two things to live a, a life that is that, that you are present and that you are moving from one story to another story to a better story and contribute to human uh, happiness and justice in the world how do you shift from a story to story and how you are present with, with, with moment to moment in your life and I think the present political situation is a whole nother uh, reason why mm -hmm. these things are important. Why, why change will occur on that level 
rather on the level of politics. Politics is too small to change anything. Mm. Politics is not powerful enough. If we have been educated differently, for example, education 10, 20 years ago, we would have completely different set of political issues, right? So what is it that is rising now from the ashes of this polarizing royal mess we find ourselves in? What are 10,000 artists creating today that is going to actually trigger change that is happening? Mm. Uh, something is happening right now that will change everything, and it's not on. It's not going to be televised. It's not televised yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think it's on that level of level of presence and a level of narratives, and it things like that: beauty, compassion. Mm. Yeah. And it sounds like from what you're saying, you know, like we have these narratives, we have these guiding narratives in our lives, these stories that we almost have to hold on with a, a looser grip. Is that yes. hearing some of that? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hold, hold it softly. On to it, but yeah, but softly. Yeah. You can't live without it. Yeah. But you need to be able to let it go. Because there too. might be another story that you need to hold on to and you can't yeah. have so much capacity. Yeah. yeah. Uh. We have a question. One question we've asked just across the board uh, is we've been we've been on this oh, yeah. tour asking these que uh, uh -huh. questions, and Carson's got the uh, the question for you. So, if you could tell everyone in the world one thing that they would listen to, and that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something they that they'll agree with, but it's just that they're actually going to listen and hear what you're saying. What would it be? so hard for people like myself who are who are full of shit ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i you know i mean most of the things i'm saying i don't know if i am actually dedicated to them as it sounds mm -hmm. or i don't know if they're even true you know so, so I would, what I would, I would just sort of the best thing would be just to shut up <laughs> and give them and say, look, you don't need to, you don't need an advice. Everything you need is right in front of you. No advice is going to further you as silence would. So come to a place of silence, get a little bit bored by yourself and the world around you and see what happens and what comes sideways. So that's what I would say, uh, you know, silence is underrated. So, so listen to your own breath and listen to your own thoughts and listen to your own heart and trust it trust learn to trust it learn to uh learn to ride with it you know learn to get enchanted with the world through listening uh that would that's a that's what it that's what's going to save us uh, so um yeah Cool. Thank you.
Samir encourages us to see and hear and inhabit our world differently. He asks, where do you put your attention? Think about that. Where do you put your attention? Because after all, the only thing you truly have control over is where you put your attention. The world responds to you in proportion to how much attention you pay. Samir teaches that if your eyes and ears are closed, then the world is closed. The world will respond with how much attention you gift it with. It will respond in proportion to how much attention you risk. So let's close with his words, his call to attention. Pause for a moment and listen to your breath. Listen to your thoughts. Listen to your heart. Make a practice of this listening. Take time out of your busy day, a moment or two, a few minutes each day, and dare to listen. Listen to what's right in front of you. Listen to what's right within you and around you and trust it. Learn to trust it. Learn to ride with it. Learn to get enchanted with the world through listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with all the things that are going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or now Instagram or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes. Join us in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it because there's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.